Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast, this time welcoming back to the pod the one and only Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer and Cincinnati.com. You can catch his great work on the Bengals and the Cincinnati Reds uh, on the at those two locations, on those two platforms. You can follow him on X at Charlie G double underscore. Don't forget that second underscore. Charlie, welcome back. How you doing? You know, some people forget the second underscore. So I that's that. why I make reference to it. And that's why I emphasize it. So I just want people following you because uh, you do a tremendous job with both the Bengals and the Reds. So I uh, want everybody to make sure they know where to go. That's all. Okay, let's get to the business at hand. And that is the eight and six Cincinnati Bengals right in the playoff mix as we stand, of course, Baltimore Ravens eliminated the Bengals from AFC North division contention with their win at Jacksonville on Sunday night. There will not be a three-time repeat of the division for the Bengals. So there is that, but the Bengals certainly have uh, their sights set on a division or a uh, playoff berth in the AFC for a third consecutive year. Right now they are seated sixth. Uh, That would be the second wildcard position. They have to go into Pittsburgh, Charlie, and take care of business. No two ways about it. Whether or not Kenny Pickett comes back, whether or not it's Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, they got to take care of business there. It's funny, like two teams on completely opposite paths. You've seen one yeah. team in Pittsburgh who the wide receivers are tweeting this and saying this on the sideline and the running backs saying this to the media and they're firing offensive coordinators, a team that was really outperforming expectations early in the season and then has nosedived really because of those internal issues. It seems the Bengals on the other hand, you know, we talk about how they've rallied behind Jake Browning and all these intangible things, but you know, the foil to that really is Pittsburgh. That is a path that a different team with a different culture and a different locker room and a different set of guys, the season can go that way. And it's a, you know, obviously an important stretch for the Bengals to continue to be that team heading into Pittsburgh on Saturday. No question about that. Uh, obviously, the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator uh, and then, of course, put up their season high in yardage against the Bengals and Jake Browning and Browning's first career start. From that point, though, as you mentioned, the Steelers are 0-3. The Bengals are 3-0. and uh, After that low point, I would have to consider because, you know, that is a week and a half after the Joe Burrow season-ending wrist injury. Uh, you know, the Bengals put up the performance they did and lost 16-10, to 10, really no offense to speak of. They were manhandled by a, a mediocre Pittsburgh team, and people thought, well, that's just the way the season's going to end, write this one off. And for the Bengals to turn it on a dime, 
really a lot of that credit, absolutely deservingly so, goes to Jake Browning and I think Zach Taylor. Those two have worked in concert amazingly well, Charlie, don't you think? Yeah, when you're winning with an undrafted free agent quarterback, there's plenty of praise and plenty of credit to go around. What's, you know, the, the story of the season to me almost is kind of what happened after that Pittsburgh game. Browning didn't know what he didn't know before then. He came to the coaches and said, I want to work on this, this, and this. He said he wanted more opportunities in practice where he could be in more unscripted situations. He wanted to face like the looks that he wasn't expecting because before Pittsburgh, he knew what to do on, you know, play Z when they played cover two, but he didn't know as much what to do on play Z when they played cover three. Right. So Browning started working on that. I think the Pittsburgh game, Browning lost that game for the Bengals because he was just he, – he had no uh, timer in the pocket on third downs. You saw him make some corrections and adjustment in that area. He really knows how to play those situations well. He's done that much better. Like a real growth point for him, a turning point for the Bengals coaching staff in figuring out who he was. And then since then, the relationship has blossomed. I want to point out your uh, terrific story on uh, Twitter. You have it pinned on your X page, Twitter X, whatever we're calling it. When Jake Browning was the backup quarterback, he asked, what's the best use of my time to help us win? He spent two plus years going above and beyond to help the defense in the meeting room and the scout team. Browning got back even more than he gave. What was, um, I guess, the impetus for doing that story, Charlie? I was asking the question that everyone's asking, how is Jake Browning doing this and how did he get here? And specifically, you know, I wrote that after the Jacksonville and you saw in that game, Pittsburgh game somewhat, but especially it shined in Jacksonville. Everyone ha has risen. I thought Jamar Chase was playing better than ever. You saw guys on the defense step up. You saw this whole team say, let's, you know, we got Jake's back almost. And why is that? Mm. Because before Browning got his moments, he was the scout team quarterback who was talking to the defensive guys about whether or not he could read their blitz. Jordan Battle tells the story about how Browning pointed out something specifically to him about the Titans fit, about the Texans film. And Battle then saw that route in that look in the game and took away a deep ball. And he realized, I owe that to Jake Browning. There are all these individual moments where Browning was just thinking others, was being selfless. And that really came full circle because then when it was Browning's turn, He's not just the backup quarterback. He's Jake. He's the guy who helped me with this. He's the guy who gave me the opportunity to do that. He almost does have this captain-like presence, even though he's just, you know, gotten here as a starter. And all of that goes back to the foundation he laid behind the scenes as he waited for his shot. Yeah, and, you know, I tweeted this out. I reposted it on uh, Monday morning, and it is a post uh, from – Field Yates of ESPN, and it's really remarkable post because it really gets to what you just spoke about, uh, and that is what Jake Browning has done to dedicate himself to accuracy and execution as a starting quarterback of the Bengals. Field Yates posting on Monday morning, since the NFL has been keeping really detailed statistics on quarterback play in 19, since 1950, there's been one quarterback in his first four NFL starts, who has over a thousand yards passing and a completion percentage better uh, of, than 75%. That quarterback is Jake Browning. That to me puts all of that in perspective. It's remarkable. And it's a testament, I think, to the scouting department uh, of the Bengals, uh, the people who do spend all of that time. And Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin often mention them and want to give them credit because I think they're the forgotten group 
Charlie, the, the group that goes out and finds a Jake Browning who had just been cut by Minnesota. We heard the story from uh, Jake Browning about what happened uh, after he got cut uh, after the game on Saturday. But to go out and sign him in 2021 to their practice squad, kudos to them. So scouting department, yes. And we can talk about a million examples. I really focus on Zach here because like what Zach likes in a quarterback really shapes why Jake Browning is here. Zach Taylor said this, and here are like the archetypes that I use. Zach's not as much interested in the Anthony Richardson, the guy with, you know, the best combine of all time and the, right. the unbelievable arm and the four, three speed, but hasn't played a lot of football. Zach Taylor likes guys who have played a lot of football. Ultimately, the, the pinnacle of this is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a winner. Joe Burrow can do all these amazing things, even though he's not the guy who would light up a combine setting. To a much different scale, that's Jake Browning as well. What they loved about Jake was he set every single record in high school, in California, you know, delivered in big moments, played in that way, became a starter right away as a freshman at Washington, set every record at Washington. This was a guy who had seen a lot, who had been through a lot, who had brought others up with him. Jake doesn't have the strongest arm. He's sneaky fast, but he's not fast. Um, but there are just qualities that Jake Browning has that are more intangibles. And Zach has told the front office, I prefer guys like that. That's why Jake Browning's here. That's why Agent Karen's here. That th This is the type of quarterback that they focus on adding. And all of that, again, has paid off with Browning being able to do what he's done in these pressure moments, even though he's never felt anything like this in the NFL. Hey, football fans, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on all the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and get in on all of the fun action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Charlie, on multiple occasions, uh, Zach Taylor has mentioned that no one processes better than Joe Burrow that he's ever seen in the National Football League. He has processing skills that are off the chart. Where do you put Jake Browning in that regard? It's funny, like Pittsburgh, he was terrible, right? Pittsburgh, he had guys coming over the middle on third down and he was holding on to the ball. And But like I go back to the third and 21 play to Jamar Chase, how he right. felt that zone and anticipated it. Like, that was something I hadn't seen from Jake. You saw a couple of those, like a lot of the throws to T late were anticipation, throwing them open, reading, you know, no one disguises better than Minnesota, 
reading post snap and reacting and adjusting and delivering the throw on the money on time. That to me was new to the Minnesota game. And that was so exciting to me about that performance. He was pushing the ball down the field, probably his most aggressive game and he was doing the right stuff. You know, I have said a few times he made that third and 21 feel like third and eight. He he handled it. And that's the difficult stuff. That's what I I didn't think Jake Browning was capable of. And to see him just get this much better at specific things like that, from week to week. That's what makes you say, all right, you know, maybe the Bengals can win out here. Maybe they can do some stuff down the stretch and be a playoff team. He is Charlie Goldsmith doing a terrific job uh, covering the Cincinnati Bengals for Cincinnati.com. And of course, the Cincinnati Inquirer. You're listening to the Jungle Roar podcast powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media. All right, back to the Bengals and the other side of the ball. And this is, it was sobering on uh, Saturday afternoon, of course, to to lose one of your team captains, a team leader. And Lou Anarumo said it last week, the most consistent, reliable player on defense, DJ Reader. He is out for the season with a torn quad uh, tendon. So he's out. They lose DJ Ivy a couple minutes later. But going back to DJ Reader, Charlie, is it simple as plugging in uh Jay Tufele and Josh Tupo, who played, I thought, pretty well on Saturday in his place. What do they have to do to replace him? It's tough, like, because, you know, DJ, like you said, most consistent player. And then, in my opinion, the drop-off from the starter to the next man up is probably the biggest and the most significant at this nose tackle position based on or compared to any other position on the roster. So what do you do? I start with this. Like, they were playing DJ Reader on third downs because what he gave them as a pass rusher. Um, and he kind of changed his role in his snap rotation. So that makes me think with BJ Hill, who's playing third downs too, he now becomes like DT1 as like wide receiver one. So I think we'll see just as much of him on third downs. Based on what I saw in that game on Saturday, I think they'll have a combination of sample uh, Osai Murphy as an interior rusher on third downs. Yep. So, you know, and then Hill will play some interior on some base downs, but you've got to rotate. So now I think you need more true noses. I think that are more true, you know, run stuffers. Zach Carter's had a really up and down year in that role. I think he'll be active. I think he'll have a presence. Could be J2 Fele. If I'm doing this, I give it a lot more uh, thought to Josh Tupo and even Dominique Davis, who I thought was just better than Josh Tupo in training camp and in the preseason. Got to stop the run with bodies up the middle on early downs to get the chance to pin your ears back on later downs. That's kind of how I view the rotation right now. Zach Carter got some props from BJ Hill for his work on the third and one and fourth and one in overtime. What did you think of those two plays? Obviously the Bengals don't get those two stops and Zach Taylor doesn't have um, the presence of mine to call timeout right before third and one, when the Vikings were rushing to the line, uh, the Vikings win that game in overtime. Here's a question I have that we'll never know the answer to. So like the Vikings and O'Connell has been ripped for this, had 11 personnel and then had Brandon Powell as the sneaker. And the reason they had 11 personnel was because they knew that if they, you know, went heavier, the Bengals would sub in their goal line package. They did that earlier. And an answer we'll never know is that if they had their bigger personnel on the field and the goal line package in the game, is Zach Carter in there? I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, he made the plays. That was a talk about big moments for Jake Browning. That was a big moment for Zach Carter doing something that flat out he just has to be able to do. You just got to be able to get that done in this role that you're in. Like, he has struggled as a run stopper. Earlier in the game, you know, a couple drives before, he, he gets walled all the way back on that 30-yard run. 
that set up a go-ahead touchdown for the Vikings. Got to be better in that area. But, hey, it's moments like that that are things you can tangibly build on. Remember, Zach Carter was drafted to rush the passer. He was a defensive end in college. This has been a whole new world for him. And it'll just have to happen a lot quicker than anyone was thinking a month ago with Carter stepping into a bigger role. But, again, I would like to see more Tupo and more Davis on early downs. Because you study this so very, very closely, explain to people, who are watching and listening to this, the difference between a three technique and somebody who plays right over the nose. Yeah. Well, it's where you line up, you know, they, what are they, they have the gaps and you got, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine going out wide. And um, you know, what, what's made DJ turn or DJ reader so incredible is how we can come up the middle and fill both lanes. That's his size. That's his agility. His most underrated strength, I think is his ability to disengage from blocks to shed that. And then like lunge at the ball carrier. It's all that kind of stuff. You know, Tupo is a pure nose. Davis is a pure nose. BJ Hill, not a pure nose. J2 failing, not a pure nose. Zach Carter, the least nosy of all of them. And again, it will be a role adjustment because again, no one can, it's like tight end, like Hayden Hurst and Uzama are more complete packages. Now you got Hurst can catch and Sample can block and and Wilcox can do a little of this, but but there's not a versatile tight end in the group. Now there's not a versatile, you know, a second versatile defensive tackle aside from B.J. Hill, and obviously you play two. You don't have another versatile guy in there, so you'll kind of have to, you know, scotch tape this unit together based on guys who maybe can do one thing or another thing, but not necessarily both. DJ Ivy, the loss of him to a left uh, ACL tear on Saturday, late later uh, in the first quarter, you know, several minutes after losing DJ Reader. Uh, the impact of losing uh, the rookie out of Miami, it could be bigger than a lot. I think, I think a lot of people realize. Sneaky. Um, you saw Gunner was kind of a mess on Saturday. Like there was once where DJ yes. Turner thought he was in, but then Shinobi Uche subbed him out of the game. Uh, they were playing Jalen Davis at Gunner and, you like longer, more physical DJ Ivy types at Gunner as opposed to you know, smaller guy, all, uh, not track speed as well in Jalen Davis. Um, you don't want to use your corners, your starting corners as Gunners because they're already playing a lot of snaps. Um, right before overtime, there was nearly that whole debacle. I was just going to bring that up, Charlie. That was nearly a disaster that would have lost them the game. So it's funny. Let, let's talk roster math because this is really interesting sure. to me. If Darren Simmons gets his way, Stanley Morgan will be on the 53. I don't know that you can carry seven wide receivers, especially when you're already carrying four tight ends. That's just too much to be carrying a gunner specific guy for me. On top of that, when you're already short it in the defensive backfield. So what would make the most sense would be Alan George in that role. I've never seen him play gunner, you know, I wasn't locked into Alan George's gunner reps during training camp. These are big changes. No. Like when DJ Ivy got worked in as a gunner, he was very gradually worked in. And he didn't, for example, play his first gunner snaps in that primetime game against the Ravens because they wanted to kind of work him in there or maybe against the Bills. It would have been primetime against the Bills. They wanted to kind of work him in there and they elevated Morgan a couple of times to have more experience there. I don't know if you can do that again just because of where the roster is as a whole. She got two roster spots. I'd probably sign George and keep the other one open until CTV's cleared and activated and then elevate Dominique Davis going forward the rest of the way off the practice squad. That would make the most sense to me right now. But a lot of questions and special teams and who can do what in that unit will play a huge role in that. I believe they, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, they could activate CTB before the Kansas City game. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So, so I mean, my guess is they'll keep a roster spot open for him. 
Yeah, and that would make the most sense because uh, obviously Rice uh, had a big game for the Chiefs uh, in New England on Sunday. He is somebody who's developing a rapport with Patrick Mahomes, and I think uh, certainly with what uh, the Chiefs can throw at, even though they're ch- the offense in Kansas City has kind of been a train wreck uh, the last four to five weeks, they've really not had any, any consistency. You could sense that Mahomes, you would want your best players out there for that passing attack when you take on the Chiefs. I mean, you want Cam Taylor Britt out there no matter who you're facing. You can make That's the case true. that behind Hendrickson and Reader, he's next on the best players on the Bengals defense this year, building a legitimate Pro Bowl case before he got hurt. So, I mean, that's the kind of move that, frankly, the Bengals need right now. What it reminds me of was, I think the story of the Browns game last year was, uh, you know, the debacle on Halloween was Reader was out already with an MCL. Cheeto tears his ACL, and they're just like, where do you move around? you know, the, the bodies and what do you allocate towards? Cause you're already outmanned against the run because you don't have the nose tackle you trust. Then you're outmanned against the pass because you don't have the number one corner you trust right. against Amari Cooper. So they would allocate more resources towards the run. And then, you know, the Bengals would get beat down the field by Cooper, or then they would allocate more resources towards the pass. And then Nick Chubb would pound the ball up the middle. They're kind of in that stage to me until Cam Taylor Britt comes back. And that's what will make this such a challenge for the defense you know, even against a Pittsburgh offense that doesn't light the world on fire. Obviously, DJ Reader is a heart and soul, uh, not only a heart and soul type of guy in the locker room, he is really an anchor of the, a true, in the, the best sense of the word, anchor of that Bengals defense. But to me, I think they're going to have a chance to scheme around DJ Reader. I'm not, and they may have to use two to three players, like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, to do that. The player I don't think they can scheme around or play really without and have a shot is Trey Hendrickson. He's playing at an all-pro level, especially the last two to three weeks. He's up to 15 sacks uh, on the season, and that breaks his for a record of 14 uh, two years ago. My question for you is, what is making Trey Hendrickson, blackout Trey, uh, one of the very best defensive edges in football right now? So I did a story on this a couple weeks ago. I went around like the whole defense and I go, Trey, you know, he never gets included in those conversations with the top five edge rushers. And I asked why? A couple things. First, frankly, he doesn't look like Miles Garrett. There's something to that. Sam Hubbard pointed out that um, when you're not a first round pick, you have to earn the respect and admiration that, you know, all these top five picks, your Garrett's, your Bosa's just enter the league with. But what's so interesting to me about Trey is, you know, talking to these guys, they race every day in practice. You can get off the ball the quickest. Joseph Osai said, Trey Hendrickson is Lightning McQueen. Uh, He wins every race. This is a line where, you know, Joseph Osai is speed, speed, speed. Sam Hubbard's a former lacrosse player. They have all these guys, but Hendrickson is just already among them, the twitchiest, the most explosive in that entire group, even though he doesn't look it. Also a really underrated strong guy as well. Again, like he doesn't look like TJ Watt who can push you into another dimension, but look what he did against the Colts on the first snap of that game. Yes, Pushing the left tackle all the way back into the right hashes on the other side of the field. Like that's something there. And Hendrickson has those elite athletic qualities, even though it doesn't appear that way on the surface, add in his versatility. He's one with bull rushes, outside moves, inside moves, the variety, the way he reads the game, the way he's had sacks and Lugos. What were you thinking there? We need more of that. I want to tap into your knowledge, just like a Zach Taylor would tap into Joe Burrow's knowledge. All of that combined together, it's an elite edge rusher right there. 
You know, I'm glad you brought that up because as you were saying that about the bull rush of the tackle uh, back to the right hash, the other, the opposite hash, um, great insight from Lou Anarumo. We speak with the coordinators once a week. And last week he said, I wanted to get an idea from Trey, what he was doing, like you just mentioned, but the reasoning was Gardner Minshew did not handle traffic in his face very well at all. So he asked Trey, look, I want you to stop with the swim moves for right now. I want you to stop with your other moves of the diversity of uh, the complement of different types of pass rushes that Trey Hendrickson has at his disposal. And I want you just to focus on bull rushing and getting this guy right back into his face. And I found that interesting. And it really is a testament to me about how these coaches uh, really make adjustments on the fly and use a guy like Trey Hendrickson. And then, you know, the I, I the saw I was trying place. to vamp there, Charlie, to give you time to look up. If you need me to vamp anymore, let me know. Or do you have your note? So this is my uh, Trey Hendrickson sack chart for the season. Wow, that's tremendous. And, and I, knew, I knew that there was a compliment to that play and what you're discussing. Fourth and 15, the play that kind of iced it, the play where, I, you know, the, the, the closing play from Trey Hendrickson. Um one-on-one, he won really quickly. He was walled outside, but you like the, the left tackle was kind of playing defense, like a, a basketball player. Trey Hendrickson tossed, swipes, bends around, shows his explosiveness the other way. He had been pushing him in all game. This time, Hendrickson shows his bend, gets really low, gets all the way around him, ends up creating so much separation that he gets to sprint outside and really hit his stride getting to Garner Minshew like that's what he did all game from a bull rush perspective set him up for that fourth and 15 right. play that closed the game I mean that's that's some high level stuff right there that was Louis Ramo say 500 level stuff combined with lead athleticism see that's why we have you on Charlie that's precisely that notebook and your ability to articulate it Charlie is exactly why I have you on this podcast you Anything? mentioned the uh, yeah. Go ahead. You mentioned the sack, and I was like, no, I know there's a compliment to this, <laughs> and I had it in the book. Uh, anything else uh, stand out to you? Well, let, look, first of all, really quick, I think Jamar Chase is going to be able to play Saturday in Pittsburgh. Um, no inside information, but at this point, I think Jamar's he is somebody who has played through pain before. He doesn't always like to do it. Certainly early in the season, as he is very much on record uh, about preserving his body and teammates bodies uh, early in the season so that they can have them late in the year. I think Jamar will try to play through the pain of the AC joint sprain in his right shoulder and get on the field Saturday, even though it's Pittsburgh, they do need him. I mean, this is a playoff game. You know, I don't know what yep. Jamar's going to do, but what was it? Six weeks ago or something, he had the ankle and he tested it out and he talked with Zach and you know Troy and a couple trainers before the game and he went through it and he wasn't sensational but him being on the field changed everything in that game so um I think that was the Texans game and he ended up what he had a 64 yarder up the middle touchdown over the top best throw I've ever seen from Joe Burrow so like Chase this is who oh, he right. is this is what he's done and they know you know they know where they're at in the season and I I do know for sure if Jamar can't play he will play T Higgins best Cacks you've ever seen in person? Was it? It's funny, like, you know what it reminded me of? You know when, like, Ellie De La Cruz, like, stole third and stole home? Yes. Against the birds. And I made the joke birds. to David yep. Bell. 
and so I'm at every day of spring training. I'm at every practice, every everything. I see every base running drill they do. And I made the joke to David Bell, you know, I must have missed the day where you work on stealing third, creeping around, watching the pitcher, and when the ball goes back, I must have missed when you worked on that. And the joke is obviously you don't work on that. There are just some things that some guys know how to do instinctually. There's not a day in training camp where T. Higgins practices coming from that angle with terrible leverage, uh, making the leap and catch, and they never work on stretching the ball like that. That's just playmakers. That's why you draft. That's why you develop. That's why you build around guys like that. We can talk about positional value all offseason. Like, that's how T. Higgins wins you a game right there. Yep. That is the no model question. of having that player wins you a game and how having that can overcome so many other parts of the roster. Great moment in the Sunday night broadcast toward the end of the game where Mike Tirico tells the story on air with Chris Collinsworth that he texted Chris Collinsworth when they, when uh, Tirico saw that play and he said, that's the second best catch I've ever seen in my life. And obviously the, he's referring to number one would be Odell Beckham, uh, you know, reaching behind him with the, the one hand for the touchdown on Monday night football when he was playing for the giants. Um, did you see that? Did, did you see the uh, Sunday night broadcast when Tirico brought that up? Because I think that is that kind of gives you some perspective on the greatness of that catch and the athleticism. I mean, it would have been a great catch if it's funny, like one of T. Higgins' best catches of all time was in that fourth quarter Halloween game against the Browns, where they were getting blown oh, out. We never yeah. talk about that catch because you know the game was over. The moment, the stage, the the panache. I mean, that's what it's all about right there. Playmakers make plays, stars are stars. And hey, I know Higgins has had wild ups and downs this season, but he was sensational in week two against the Ravens in a game they nearly won. The game plan against the Bills may be the most underrated high-level game the Bengals have played all year. They stomped over him. Higgins was the feature guy in that game plan in that game, and then he goes out and wins him a game this week. I know he's had his lows, but not even lows. I know he the, the stats haven't been the stats. It's the numbers. The lows, the, haven't even, right. the lows haven't even been lows, and then he goes out and wins you games. He's done that this season. That's what uh, makes him such an incredible player. The three-game losing streak, the Bengals went on. They didn't have him at all. He he did not play in any of the three games. Since he has returned, they haven't lost. And I know there's a lot more that goes into it than just one player, one wide receiver. But it's indicative. Moments like Saturday, Charlie, do support that statistic. When he is in the game and playing at that level, he came back, like you said, five to seven yards on that ball, he was nowhere in the picture. If you go back and watch that play and go back and watch the Tyler Boyd play, uh, which you did a great job of uh, breaking down the one in overtime, um, those are just plays that uh, instinctive players make. It's funny, like there was the big Boyd play, the big Higgins play, the big Chase play. I mean, this big three, I don't know that we've talked enough this season. That was the story of 2021. But I don't know how we don't, you know, every day, every minute as we analyze the Bengals. Just let's just remember they have Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins, they have yep. Tyler Boyd, and I know they have Joe Burrow and now Jake Browning. But the idea that, that this whole organization was built around was let's get the elite quarterback and let's surround them with the best playmakers in the NFL because defenses can dictate where the ball will go. But no matter what defenses do, you always have an advantage. That was line one of Zach Taylor's philosophy when he became the Bengals head coach. That is the plan they've executed to a T over four or five years. And, you know, those plays down the stretch were a reminder when you have special guys like that, 
that is, you know, what contenders are made. That is a great point. Uh, you actually asked that question, I believe, in the press conference on Sunday of uh, Zach Taylor. Uh, does a game like Saturday remind you of why it's so important to have the big three? I mean, what they've it, we don't talk about Tyler Boyd as much anymore just because he hasn't had those those big games. Right. Um, but, like, I know he dropped the game-winning touchdown. But the Texans game, he gets him down the field with this classic Tyler Boyd play. Like, he is still a guy that defenses worry about on third downs. He's still a guy who can separate on a scramble drill there. I know he dropped the touchdown, but he's still a guy who has great hands. Like, again, what this whole Bengals team was built around was those three guys. And without Burrow, you know, those three won him a game on, on a Saturday. Anything else you're working on, Bengals or Reds, if you want to throw that in there? Nothing, nothing right now. I'm sure I'll do something, but um, yeah. All right. He is Charlie Goldsmith. He does a fabulous job covering the Bengals and the Reds. Uh, he won't probably be covering the Reds uh, as much until uh, the end of the Bengals season. Is that right? Am I speaking out of turn or is that? I mean, Go ahead. Unless they trade for, uh, unless they trade for Dylan Cease. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. What do you think the chances of that with the White Sox are? I know they love Dylan C the Reds. Like, yeah. I mean, they were not love, but like they were in him on the deadline. They've had conversations about him now. The sense I get is the White Sox want big leaguers in return. And the Reds big leaguers who are at that level, you know, their rookies and second year guys are a lot better than like the Dodgers traded Pepio and DeLuca for for Glass now. Like the Reds would be less likely to want to part with those types of guys because instead of Pepio and DeLuca, it's Andrew Abbott and Will Benson, and those are just better, more accomplished, and proven players. So, like, that's what makes that type of trade tough. But again, if the if the asking price drops, I know that's the type of player the Reds would be interested in adding. All right, he will end on that baseball note. He is Charlie Goldsmith, doing a great job and proving that he's not only covering the Bengals but the Reds as well for Cincinnati.com and the Cincinnati Inquirer. Follow him on X at charlie g double underscore don't forget that second underscore thanks charlie for joining me on this edition of the jungle roar podcast thanks Charles. all right he's charlie goldsmith i'm mike petralia this jungle roar podcast powered as always by the fine folks at fanduel sportsbook the exclusive online wagering partner of clns media until next week keep that jungle roaring